0: Welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer show number 156 we're going to kick it off with the news straight up today then andy comes in with billy rose with her particular brand of what is she calling it alternative country not bad either great little interview top little tune from her and then of course bob mcmillan's back on deck with something to talk about great show today hope you enjoy it let's get the show on the road There's
1: nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Here on the road, it's time for
0: the news. Mike, spring as they say has sprung. Spring has sprung and it's a glorious day down here in Sydney mate, a little bit breezy but not too bad, the dogs are going mad out in the yard chasing things, so yeah, it's all good.
1: Yeah, nice up here, it'd be nice if we could have this temperature sort of all year round, warm days, cool nights, mm. yeah, very pleasant. It would be.
0: How was it out at the Alice last week mate? Well it was warm. Yeah. yeah apart from that though, there were a lot of people out there who were very into, into trucks, so <laughs> it was a little bit crazy. But, yeah. Oh, look, I had a great time. We uh, met a few people out there and uh, drank a few beers and grabbed a few gears and drove to, drove a few miles in memories. And yeah, uh, it's a it's really a mecca for the trucking industry, the Hall of Fame for the induction ceremony. And uh, I wouldn't have missed it, mate. It was brilliant. Unfortunately, our mate Bob McMillan couldn't be there because he was unwell. Yeah, I heard that. But uh, you know, he's had to give him some. Some reports and sent him some photos, and I think he's back on deck now. But uh, we'll, we'll see. He's uh, he's coming good. Uh, would have been pretty moving with the Razorback guys and all that too. Uh, it was a roller coaster of emotion uh, out there. There was a little bit of leakage going on. Yours truly even managed to have a little bit of a bit of a uh, a, uh, a leak. I wonder where that was going. No, no, we had a bit of a sob, mate. We we were leaking out of the eyeballs and and, uh, everyone was obviously hugging each other and and, uh, finally to see uh, the Razorback guys uh, recognised in the way they should be. I mean, emotions were a little bit raw back in the day and we're looking at it uh, probably through a different set of glasses these days, but... uh, uh, it was nice to see the guys getting the recognition that they deserved finally, yeah. irrespective of what you think about Razorback as an event, mm. it was a pivotal part of not only trucking history but Australian history. It certainly, was. and uh, uh, we, we we need to remember the history whether whether we like it or not, I suppose. Yeah, uh, and uh, those guys certainly did uh, do some things which changed our industry for the better. Yeah, and uh, so much so that the politicians made sure that we couldn't do it again. So, yeah, yes. you know, that tells you all you need to know, really, doesn't it? It does.
1: And I tell you, it intrigued me, one of the comments on your Twitter comment about it, saying that they'd never actually heard of Razorback, mm. but it, it had prompted them to find out more and go and do a bit of reading, which
0: I yeah. thought well,
1: that's pretty cool because we happen to know a really good audio book that'll fill
0: them in on that's that. That's right. There is the uh, the Ted Stevens book, yeah. Which is available via the Truck and Life web page at uh, www.truckandlife.net.au. dot dot net au. Also, Toots Alzheimer's book audiobook is there as well. So, a uh, couple of interesting historical listens that are well worth the effort. We've we've dropped the price of them too. We've brought them back to fifteen bucks for for a bit of a special. See how we do. Oh wow, that's a bargain. It is a bargain.
1: Good good listening. It is. So what news are we not talking about this week,
0: mate? Well, mate, we're not talking about the last echo that retired out there at Alice Springs. It's a big red thing and had a bit of a look at that. We won't talk about that. Okay. Isuzu are reaching for the sky, so someone's obviously holding them up.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Isuzu reckon they're offering the whole package. I don't even want to know what that – I don't want to think about that. No. Uh, my trucking is having a bit of a talk thing there. Look, I – we could talk about my truck. It's an interesting piece of software, but we're not going to today. Photon okay. has launched a, a new electric tipper truck. There, welcome to the party, Photon, um, and the AC2 reserves the country's first all-electric fire truck. So I hope that works out for them. They don't need to charge it when things are burning. That'll be good. Uh, they can put themselves out when it catches fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't 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 <laughs> go down that road, mate. Gee, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> like that's a, a
1: self cleaning oven, a self extinguishing fire truck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> self extinguishing fire truck. Oh, that's bad, mate. You shouldn't yeah. say stuff like that.
1: No, good thing we didn't. No,
0: good thing we didn't. So that's the lo- that's the news we're not talking about. Feel free to go around the socials and have a bit of a look yourselves. There's plenty of stuff there we're not talking about. Let's get into the stuff.
1: To kick off with one from the Only in America fire. Right. I was reading an article the other day about a scarecrow in the USA that's been made an honorary professor at the Oklahoma State University. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. When the university was questioned about why a scarecrow was being given such a salubrious honour, the dean said the selection committee had chosen the scarecrow as it had been seen to be outstanding in its field. Good God.
0: (laughs) Oh... He could probably get elected to the Senate. Have you seen that Mitch McConnell video? Oh yeah, yeah. The one where he just it just goes silent. Uh, yeah. Just goes silent and just stands there. Yeah, I, I but mate. That's not an ad for term limits. I don't know what is. Anyway, oh, not wrong. Move, move on. Mate.
1: The truck stop bandits are at it again, Mike, in New South Wales, with one truckie issuing a timely warning to other drivers to remain alert to the risks of robberies after two separate incidents recently at the Caltex in Moree.
0: Yeah, look, the story's bad. It's bad enough. Mm. I, I was reading this story on, on, uh, on Facebook and I nearly snorted my copy when I, <laughs> when I was reading it. You get no doubt that it's written by a truck driver. Old mate, Robbie Roadtrain, mm-hmm. <laughs> in his Western Star. Uh, he woke up to find the police investigating two alleged robberies at uh, at the Puma, Caltex, whatever it is, at Moree there. Yep. Uh, and he was a little bit surprised. Apparently someone had gone to sleep there and left the doors unlocked and when they woke up, their wallet, their phone and all their bits and pieces were missing. He must have been pretty tired, mate, because no one could open the door of my, eh? Hey? Yeah, heck of a sound sleeper. Must be a sound sleeper. Facebook pages have been alight with this. The truck drivers, food showers and reviews Australia-wide have been talking about it. On mm. the Pads has been talking about it. It's uh, one of those things that's happening now. Moree and those villages up there in uh, northern, northwestern New South Wales have been copping this sort of stuff for a while. And if you read the comments on the stories, once again, we've got drivers talking about vigilantism. Mm. You can't blame them. Now, uh-huh. on that subject, remember we had those guys bashed up at Bogabilla. Yep. We had a little few chats about that. I put in a request to speak to the minister responsible for police and things like that here in uh, New South Wales. I got her chief of staff back and he said, oh, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get you all some information about that. Guess what? Mm. Still waiting. Crickets. Um, and I've given up email them backwards and forwards. They don't want to talk about it. So... Uh, it comes as no surprise to me that this sort of stuff is still happening. The reason why it is happening is because truckies are an easy target. We have yep. to stay there, and, and that's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. What about our occupational health and safety? That's all I've got to say. What, yep. what, why are we left to deal with this sort of crap? Why can't we defend ourselves? It's the only way it's going to stop, in my yeah. in my view. I hate to say it. I think you're right. But if the police can't protect us, why can't we protect ourselves? Yep. Anyway, it's the latest in a spate of similar servo incidents on the Newell Highway in northern New South Wales. It's been going on. There's no punishment for these little mongrels that do this sort of stuff. And everyone's going to ask questions when someone finally does go off their dial and belt the living daylights out of one of them. Mm. I wonder who's going to be in trouble. Okay. Anyway, there you go.
1: Investigations are underway after a tow truck driver was issued with a notice from an NHVR officer during a roadside stop in Victoria for exceeding the maximum overall length and rear overhang limit, applying to rigid vehicles under
0: the HVNL laws. Yeah, well, what can we say here? Big and small, we love them all. It's not really a trucking story, it's more of a tow story, right? Hmm. But it just goes to show that sometimes some of these laws that we all have to deal with are just simply flawed, right? Oh, yeah. And this is a clear-cut example of this. That towies have been doing this sort of thing for ages. You know, they they pick up the cars with the with the, uh, the hitcher on the back and, you know, we've got a little bit of a, a length issue sometimes. Some of these tow trucks aren't exactly small either.
2: Hmm.
0: So there are a couple of things to consider in this. We've been doing it for ages and no one's had anything to say about it, Right. Now, yep. just because a law is not enforced doesn't mean it's still not a law, and I get that, right? But having said that, the tow truck is removing an obstacle from the road, which is a, is a safety hazard. Yeah. Right? It is in and of itself a safety hazard. Sometimes we need to be a little bit pragmatic and do things that, you know, might colour outside the lines just a little bit in order to be safe, right? Right? Some hmm. people don't get that, and clearly this officer doesn't get it. And I've got to wonder what happened that made this officer write this infringement. Indeed, um, it, to me, to me, it just doesn't seem as though it makes any sense. The HVIA understands the operator was issued with the notice due to the combination of the towing vehicle and its load. In other words, the car being towed exceeding hmm. a maximum length, length limit of twelve point five meters. And obviously, there's an overhang limit on the, on the rear. Yeah. So naturally, the outcome of this, is it's created a little bit of alarm amongst tow truck, tow truck operators and suppliers, vehicle bodybuilders, et cetera, because they've been doing this like this for ages, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's going to be a bit of a, a massive change uh, to, to, to sort of try and work things around. The HVIA is immediately engaged with the NHVR to understand the compliance issue and seek a resolution. Good on the HBA HVIA for that. Having said that, the NHVR, as we've said over and over and over and over, and dare I say over and over again, hmm. doesn't make the rules. Right? They enforce the rules. Yep. And everyone needs to understand that. So we've got to find out where this rule came from and perhaps address the rule and the HVIA have called for a bit of a moratorium on uh, no further compliance actions until these on these vehicles until this gets sorted out. Good luck with that. Can we have a moratorium on issuing stupid logbook fines while we sort that out? Yeah, yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Yeah, anyway, I'm I'm, I'm not saying that in any way to be snarky towards the HVIA. It, more power to them for supporting uh, something that they should be interested in. But you know, having said that, good luck with getting something not enforced now that it's known or not enforced now that someone's gone ahead and done it. And we have to ask questions about why these things happen out of the blue like this thing has. I just I just wonder, you know.
1: Maybe you can clarify for me. I, I don't quite understand because reading the story, mm-hmm. it says that the guy's driving a tilt tray. Yep. So why is he hooking the car onto his, onto his toe rather than just whacking it up on the tilt tray?
0: Well, I think he had one up on the tilt tray already. Oh, did he? It didn't yeah. say that on there. That wouldn't make so sense. So they've got a wheel lift that they can use on the back, which, which is basically like any other tow truck, mm. um, where, they can, where they can put a car on there and tow it around and it basically turns the car into a trailer, right? So mm. they put, li- put the wheel lift underneath it and strap it on and just basically tow it around. Uh, and that's what's, what's done. So who knows what car it was on the back. Maybe maybe it's a function of the fact that there was a huge car on the back and, and uh, he's ended up, what well, would have to be, he's ended up over length that way. Yeah. So, Didn't it need to be something
1: like a ram or
0: something? Well, it? I don't know what it would be, mate, but short story, if you've got this, you know, a big tilt tray hmm. and then a big car behind it, uh, yep. it doesn't take much to get over 12 and a half metres.
1: No, it wouldn't. Yeah.
0: Anyway, we don't know we don't know everything about the circumstances, and so we're only speculating. Hmm. But to me, uh, it just seems a, a little bit wrong, you know. Let's it does. no common sense yet again. Let's hope they get it sorted. Oh, I would hope so too. Like a transport
1: business owner has raised an important point following one of his drivers being fined for a minor clerical error when he was stopped by police in Victoria on his return journey from Perth to Brisbane.
0: Yeah, $354 fine to help you remember. Hmm. This is just so stupid, it really does beg your belief. So here's this guy driving around his logbook's good, his truck's good, his license's good, he's got a good driving history, uh, he, he's not doing anything wrong, he's had no prior issues. Hang on, you've got too many yellow pages in your book uh, hmm. that you should have given to your, to your boss. We'll give you a $350-odd-dollar fine for that. Hmm. <laughs> I reckon that if every bloody public servant got a $300 fine or $350 fine for their paperwork cock-ups, we wouldn't have any left at no. all. Maybe we should start infringing them. Now, I remember when uh, here in New South Wales a couple of years ago, someone pressed send and sent out all the wrong HSC results. Yeah. Right? That's yeah, right. yeah. Right, oh? I'll tell you how long my memory is. And uh, the government just sort of issued a bit of a retraction, said they were sorry to everyone, and that person kept their job. No fines, no nothing, you know? Now, I appreciate that some people would say, oh, come on, Mick, that's a bit of a straw man argument, that is. Well, is it? Is it really? It's about on the same... It's not even on the same level, I think, that the buddy sending out the HSC results to all those expected kids is probably a little bit worse than some yeah. bloke not giving his boss a couple of yellow sheets. Or sending a couple home from the maternity ward with someone else's baby. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Let's get somebody some uh i don't know sensibility about the thing once again you've got to understand or you've got to try and sort of question whether this was an attitude related fine, <laughs> or you know did he did, did the driver fail the attitude test yeah I, I reckon i reckon i'd fail the attitude test if i was told i was going to get written up for not having yellow tickets uh, yellow sheets handed in rather
1: well, according to the story, this guy, young bloke, was was an absolutely exemplary driver yep. in every way. Absolute meticulous to detail and yep. polite and and all that. So I don't. Well, how do we case. get people
0: to come into the game and play and do the job if you can get this sort of a bullshit fine? Three hundred and fifty-four dollars. That's his groceries for the week or more. Hmm. That may be the rent. Yep. Or a good slice of it. It's a good slice of it, you know. Sure. It's. It's just bullshit, and as I've said over and over and over again. And I'll dare say it over and over and over again, you know, mm. for the want of probably not overemphasizing. The simple fact is that these fines, while they may seem more on the surface, it's actually a double whammy because this guy may have a family at home. He's got kids going to school. He's got bills to pay. And then they take this money off him for something arbitrary and stupid like this. And then they wonder why people get pissed off. Mm. You know, it makes I'm pissed off just reading about it because of the damage it does to recruitment and retention within the industry. It's totally unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. Perhaps oh, yeah. a little bit of a warning and an education. And you know, you do know that you need to hand those into the boss. Yes, I know, mate. I've just been to Perth and back. It takes like, I don't know, two weeks. Yeah. You know, just ridiculous. Anyway, Perhaps
1: you could say, well, the boss has had them, but he likes to keep them filed in my log book because then he knows where they are.
0: Well, that's the other thing. If you're an owner driver, yep, they are at your boss's. You are the boss. You've got them. That's it No Mm. no common sense yet again Anyway, there you go
1: Well, with the ongoing saga of poor facilities for truck drivers being raised constantly Yep It's nice to hear some positive news for once With the rest area at Christmas Creek Bluewater near Townsville With extensive improvements to both access and toilets at the site underway
0: About time Mm. It is about time This is only a little short one I don't know whether this is part of the uh, funding stuff that's been going on with this rest area committee because I hope it is, because if it is, that means I've won a box of bottles. Mm. Um, but <laughs> they've added a couple of turning lanes out of the rest area and upgrades to improve the conditions for heavy vehicle operators. Uh, and look, uh, it's, it's not before time. The things that are being done in this rest area should be done in rest areas all across the country. Not, a, yep. not It's not really expensive, you know and uh, truck drivers deserve to have a, a certain amount of service while we're on the road let's face it um, the main uh, main roads department uh, doing a great job and <laughs> a bit of a sarcastic comment in there i just mm-hmm. wonder how many of these things we can get done before christmas that's a, i
3: wouldn't
0: that's be a holding thing. my breath but what is it saying in addition to turning lanes oh okay They've, they've, uh, they've added intelligent transport systems, advanced warning signs, automatic number plate recognition cameras, and smart energy systems to power the intelligent transport system devices.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, right. <laughs> go in there and make sure you have a fifteen-minute break. Make sure it is fifteen minutes, boys. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. That's that one. Breaking news. Got anything there? Do we do indeed? Beep, 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 beep. I just got a press release Mm -hmm. from the New South Wales Government, from the office of Mr John Graham, who is the Special Minister of State, Minister for Roads, Minister for the Arts, Minister for Music and the Nighttime Economy, Minister for Jobs and Tourism. I wonder what he does after lunch.
1: That's an interesting mix, isn't
0: it? I wonder if he gets a ministerial allowance for each of those ministries. (laughs) More than likely. Oh, that's a stupid question and perhaps mm. I should ask him. Mm. Anyway, New South Wales government has begun work to deliver a heavy vehicle rest area in Sydney, <laughs> only one, for mm. truck <laughs> drivers to rest, park and shower and access services. So this thing's going to be, uh, we're doing a bit of a uh, have your say and I'll put it in where you can go to have your say in the show notes. So wanting to find out uh, what things that they want in it. So the areas where they're going to consider putting this rest area are Blacktown City, Penrith City, Fairfield City, Liverpool City, Camden and Campbell, uh, Campbelltown City. Uh, hang on. A rest area. They should put them in every single one of those, in my opinion. But anyway.
1: oh Yeah. Along with the security guard so that everyone can <laughs> have a sleep without having everyone so, kicked so, off their trucks.
0: So you yeah. don't get robbed. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's not as if they're putting it in Mount Druitt. Oh, jeez, I can't say that, can I? Careful. Careful. Mm. The truck drivers have said to uh, John Graham that Sydney is the least truck-friendly city in on the East Coast, and it absolutely is, partly because there's nowhere to rest. Uh, John said he's determined to change that. Um, he, they're committed to providing a new heavy vehicle rest area for truckies travelling the two hours between Pheasants Nest and Wyong. John, I hate to break it to you. Pheasant's Nest to Wyong is more than two hours, buddy. Mm. Uh, It takes you 40 minutes just to get around the M7. So uh, they go on to recognise that we're the backbone of the economy. They say all the right things, don't they? Mm. Uh, Western Sydney needs more parking facilities. Perhaps we should look at something at Badgerys Creek because there's a bloody great big airport and industrial area going in out there, John. Uh, Look, I don't want to poo-poo what he's doing. Uh, It's great that it's even happening as I say, I've only just received this press release this morning. So I haven't had a chance to get hold of him yet and have a bit of a chat with him. I will do that because John, I know, will be quite happy to talk. And I'll put this information up on the on the show notes so that you can have a bit of a comment and have a bit of a look for yourself. But, uh, well, good on him. We've still got nowhere. We're still not moving forward on the rest area for dangerous goods vehicles down at the Port of Botany. Mm. Uh, we're at a bit of a bit of a standstill with that because the local council want to be painful they want to do a whole new um, feasibility study they want to do a whole new development application they want to go through and do all the bureaucratic bullshit that bureaucratic people love to do so you know just make it a little bit harder for everyone common sense doesn't seem to exist in this industry sometimes
1: That's true. Mm. Well, perhaps with all these new rest areas going in, we can uh, start rolling out the green reflectors with them as well. Well,
0: that'd be handy too, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. More on that soon, I hope. Good. More on that soon. All right, mate, that's it. That's all I've got.
1: All right. Well, thought for the week for you. Thank you. When an Australian says she'll be right, mate, it's either a statement or a warning sign.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my least favourite things, you know. Someone's saying, she'll be right, mate. <laughs> yeah, only, uh, You've only got to ask Craig, uh, Craig and Yogi about my response to she'll be right, mate. I can't, Indeed. I can't cope. Righto, Cobber, thanks very much for that. We'll catch up with you later. Thanks for everything you did with the show last week while I was enjoying myself swatting around drinking beers and being a big truckie out in the Red Centre. Yeah, well uh, dirty
1: job, but someone had to do it.
0: Well, you know, there you go. <laughs> it does happen. All right, mate, take care. Cheers, buddy. Pleasure.
1: Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Andy here once again with another exciting homegrown Aussie music artist to introduce to you. We included one of this week's guest songs in our special all-music episode a couple of weeks ago, not knowing that we'd be lucky enough to score an interview with her so soon. So if you liked what you heard then, bonus! She's a scarlet-haired songstress originally from Charters Towers in Queensland, and she brings a fresh alternate country voice to the Aussie music scene. She's been called a songwriter with musical maturity and velocity of vocal tones far beyond her 22 years. Her new single is based on a failed relationship and she says that while on a tour through a cemetery in her hometown, she noticed how so many of the gravestones included the cause of death. This got her thinking that it would be an interesting metaphor to use in a song one day. Such was the inspiration from this experience that the words if there was writing on our tombstone cause of death would still be unknown feature in the song she's a hard-working muso who's graced the stages of the tamworth and gimpy music festivals and has worked alongside such greats as busby maru fanny Lumston, and katherine Britt. additionally she's earned nominations locally for awards such as best blues and roots act and emerging artist of the year She's certainly a formidable young star on the rise, and she's here with us today to talk about her haunting new single, Can't Bring Back the Dead. Allow me to introduce to you Billy Rose. Billy, welcome to On the Road.
4: Hello, Andy. How are you?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you. And you?
4: Good, good.
1: Now, listen, you're described as having a sound that's uniquely your own, and there's no doubt about that. Some have called it alternate country. I'm not even sure I really know what that means.
4: I don't think anyone really does. (laughs) No,
1: but I certainly don't want to put you in a pigeonhole. But how would you personally describe your songwriting style and your very distinctive sound?
4: I would have to say probably use the word alternate country as well. I, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it's just an easy way to say it's not exactly your traditional country, but it's certainly not pop. It's kind of its own thing. So I think we just put the alternate word on it just to, you know, spice it up when we don't know what to really call it.
1: Yeah, true enough.
4: I guess, yeah, it's just, yeah, not your traditional country, not pop, so... I just put in the word alt and hope that it sort of fits some type of genre and then I guess it leaves it up to the listener to decide.
1: Yeah, they can work it out for themselves. Well, Personally, you know, I can hear country, I can hear pop, I can even hear a little bit of of folk style in there. It's a great sound. It's just got a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. How did you get into the music making thing, Billy? Do you have a history of music in your family?
4: I don't actually. I always joke about this, but my mum can't even clap in time. (laughs) So I did not grow up with any musical family. Maybe somewhere in the great, great, greats there could have been, but not that I'm aware of. So I guess my love for music really started from when I began performing and competing in country music festivals, the circuit around Charter's Towers, where I'm from, Hmm. then travelling around Queensland and New South Wales and performing And then I guess, yeah, my love for country music probably also came from that too.
2: Okay.
1: So who did you grow up listening to yourself? What music artists inspired you along the way?
4: So I grew up listening to two pretty different genres. My dad is a massive country music fan, right? so a lot of 90s country. But then my mum also loves Pink Floyd, The Eagles.
1: Oh, God bless her.
4: So them both combined, which they both now enjoy each other's preferred genre, I would guess a mixture of things. And then as I got older, I definitely transitioned into probably less of the pop side of it and more into the old country side where you have your Zach Bryan and Brandy Carlisle, artists like that.
1: Right. So there's a place out there somewhere for a Pink Floyd country concept band, isn't there, by the sound of it?
4: I think so, yeah. And I think diving into a bit of extra musical instruments and into their storytelling is a whole different way of writing music as well. Mm. So I definitely still draw inspo from every genre. I think that's what makes it special too is not boxing yourself into one and drawing inspiration from all sorts. And I think as you get older too, you end up actually appreciating the kind of music you probably hated your parents playing when you were growing up.
1: (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Now, when I was reading, I've I've got to ask the question, when I was reading your bio, one thing came up that interested me Do you actually spend a lot of time touring cemeteries or was it more just a one-off thing?
4: (laughs) It was just a one-off thing, I swear. (laughs)
1: Okay. I just wondered, because with Can't Bring Back the Dead and your previous single that we're going to play a little bit later on, there seems to be almost a little bit of a theme running
2: through there.
4: I know, and it was unintentional, and the next song I want to release is actually called Slaying Ghosts, and it's just completely given me this spooky, dark brand that I completely did not mean.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's fresh. No. Now, as often can be the case, I believe all your plans for getting into the studio to record the song kind of got hijacked in the process. What happened there?
4: Yeah, so I was planning on recording at a certain date and thought, well, my recording session was early in the morning, so I made the trek to Byron Bay a day early so that I could have a night there. Hmm. And during the night, we actually, my friend and I, I brought my friend along and we both got text messages saying to evacuate because there was flash flooding happening. So we ended up having to push it back a few weeks.
1: Oh, great. I've heard there's some more new songs in the pipeline. When might we be hearing them? And what's the plans for live shows coming up across the rest of the year?
4: There is. So I'm actually wanting to release one more single before the year is out. Mm -hmm. I've been sitting on this one for a few months now.
1: And that's the ghost one.
4: Yes. And I was sort of tossing up which one to release first because I love them both. Mm. So I'm hoping to release that before the year's out and... As far as shows, I'm playing at the ECCA this weekend, actually, which will be my first time. Oh, great. Yeah, so playing as part of a songwriter round, which is exciting, so I'll be able to share more new songs there. And then pretty much just back to local gigs around town, I was in Julia Creek and Winton just on the weekend just gone playing. So that was a great experience and just, yeah, honing in on the songwriting as well.
1: Yeah, well, you're saying there about, you know, two songs, you don't know which one to choose because you love them, both. it almost gets to the, you know, which one's your favourite kid sort of thing.
4: (laughs) Yeah, well, hard one. And then I thought, well, I'll put the one that I think maybe might be slightly better second. Right. I guess my thought process was hopefully gain a little bit more audience with one and then reel them in, hold them hostage and then release the second one.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Way to go. So where do we go to to find more information about you and your music and the show dates, all that kind of stuff?
4: Yeah, so just Billy Rose, B-I-L-L-I-E, Rose. I have a website that has all the links to my socials, so you can find me there.
1: Fantastic. Folks, our guest this week has been the delightful Billy Rose. Billy, thanks heaps for finding some time to come and play on the road with us.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Pleasure indeed. I hope we'll get another chance to continue our chat again further down the track. Yes. But for now, would you please introduce your new single for us?
4: Of course. I'm Billy Rose and this is Can't Bring Back the Dead.
1: Thanks, Billy. Stay safe, my friend.
2: Yes, you too. Going back to the place where love goes to die. Passing graves where the love's gone. With no reason why
3: there. This is Bob McMillan. Uh, I can't tell you how good it is to be back in action after three weeks out of action. I was uh, shortlisted in uh, early June for heart surgery and um, ended up being uh, called at short notice on the 4th of August to be operated on on the uh, 14th and here we are in recovery mode now and uh, I can't thank the people at the Prince Charles Hospital at Termside in Brisbane enough, the surgeons and Every member of the staff for the treatment I received, and uh, for the hope that lies ahead for me with uh, an improvement in health and uh, some years added to my life, according to the uh, the things they've told me. But uh, the interesting thing for me, and the thing I'm most grateful for, is uh, the phone went off at short notice for six days, and I didn't have a chance to let everyone know. So. uh, It's amazing how the grapevine swung into action and uh, the number of uh, emails, text messages, voicemails, and Facebook chat messages awaiting for me when I switched the phone back on after six days was just mind-boggling. I can't thank you all enough. I hope I've managed to uh, reply to all or the greatest percentage of you and um, anyone I missed, I apologise. But uh, I'm just blown away that so many people care and um, I just... uh, yeah, I'm just ever ever, ever so grateful. Thank you all, one and all. But anyway, we'll get down to the business of the day and um, like I said, it's good to be back in action. I hope I can uh, recapture uh, some of the enthusiasm and energy that's been uh, washed away with the uh, aftermath of surgery, but I feel like I'm coming good, so watch out. That's all I can say. Just before I switch the phone off, um, I noticed a, an opinion piece in Big Rigs from a, uh, a writer, unbeknownst to me, by the name of uh, Selwyn Sinfield. Now, I'm not sure uh, where Selwyn fits into the scheme of things, but uh, the writing is good. And uh, after a little bit of uh, to and froing about things, uh, Selwyn says, why does the heavy vehicle driver have to be the only driver required to manage fatigue? And, of course, um, the references to all the other drivers on the road, particularly those towing caravans and recreational vehicles and, and the people who uh, we can't measure because they don't have to be especially licensed for what they do like truck drivers do and in all all grades, like HC, MC, uh, LR and HR licences. We can trace all the numbers and all the statistics and all the... Uh, uh, all the ramifications from there, but um, every other driver on the road is uh, able to tow a caravan or a camper van or drive a motorhome and there's some pretty large ones of all of those examples and um, they don't require any supervision or or, uh, analysis at all from the road authorities and uh, what have you. So I think someone's made a valid point saying that, you know, we need to uh, be looking into the fatigue management of all drivers on the road. Senior drivers like myself are well uh, cognizant of uh, some serious accidents we used to see on the old Hume, on the old coast, where Mum and Dad saddled up after dinner at night and said, "I oh, will be in Brisbane in the morning, or Melbourne in the morning, or Sydney in the morning," and that way we'll uh, we'll get the get the job out of the road while before the, while the kids are asleep, and uh, that'll make it easier. Well, uh, you know, there's been some tragic outcomes from that sort of behaviour and and um, carelessness and uh, Hopefully it doesn't seem to continue or well, thankfully it doesn't seem to continue as it used to but I think that's probably because the uh, the trip times have been considerably shortened between Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne and what have you. So, yeah, it's nice to see not so much of that happening. But anyway, as much as someone makes a good point, I think there's an even more important point to be made here and if we're going to subject all other drivers to uh, some sort of fatigue uh, monitoring or or or, or, uh, or control or, or consideration, what about we look at the health of all the drivers on the road too? Osproads have all these guidelines for, for the you know for health. Uh, requirements for heavy vehicle drivers for commercial drivers um, the uh, accreditation programs like the NH the National Heavy Vehicle Accreditation Scheme and and um, the uh, uh, the scheme that ATA run truck safe uh, they have medical standards for truck drivers both for fatigue management and for uh, general application um, you know I, I I've been horrified at times, when I, when I especially when I was travelling the Nullarbor regularly and I'd get to places like Norseman or Kaiguna or Balladonia, and, and even down at Southern Cross and you'd see people, and I don't know whether they were all cramped up because they'd been too long behind the wheel or whether they were just uh, poor examples of, 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 of people in, of the health people that themselves, the poor health let people let themselves get into, but anyway I saw people that could hardly stagger from the steering wheel round to the filler cap and Um, if they hadn't had their wife or their partner with them to go and pay for the fuel they probably would have had to drive out drive off without paying and uh, I thought to myself you know many many times well you know what is that poor person doing out in the middle of nowhere with with any supervision or anyone to sort of care about them like uh, you know um, no way in the world they're ever going to be able to change a flat tyre or fix a buggered table, or rewire a light plug or something like that, like all the sort of things you need to be able to do for yourself in the outback and in the bush. But anyway, um, as I said, Austroids in particular have all these standards for heavy vehicle and commercial health standards. And, and the sad part about it is they're designed to get competent drivers off the road, not help them get healthy and stay on the road. So there's the first problem with it all. The second problem with it all is that, like with fatigue... We're actually being discriminated against heavy vehicle drivers because you just can't assume that every other driver on the road is going to take good care of themselves and maintain their, the health standards required to undertake long journeys, even to undertake a journey down to the supermarket, for goodness sake. Like if you're prone to a diabetic blackout or a heart attack or whatever else that the health problem you might have, trouble can strike at any time and uh, it can take innocent people out and that's the sad part about it all. So good on yourself and Sinfield for deciding that all drivers should be subject to uh, some sort of uh, fatigue management or, 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 or uh, controls, but uh, let's take it further and deal with the uh, the medically fit to drive issue and uh, try and keep competent heavy vehicle drivers on the road and incompetent drivers of all vehicles off the road and try and pick the difference rather than just have a one-size-fits-all thing that, that is just so adversarial it's... Uh, Hard to stomach. Thanks for listening. Catch you later. Bye.
1: Life can be tough, and these last few years have shown that sometimes a little extra help can go a long way. Health and Gear is brought to you by the Health Foundation, we're here to support drivers and workers in the transport and logistics industry, bringing you roadside health checks and free support and counselling for workers and their families through the 24-7, phone line 1800 in gear You don't have to face the road ahead alone Health and Gear is here for the long haul supporting your mental health and preventing suicide across Australia. Check out healthandgear.com.au
2: Here's
1: an encore from this week's featured music artist, it's Billy Rose with Label Me a Killer
2: Trails on your mind Leaving me behind You had heaps of time Could have pressed rewind Relationship crime I was made a fool Playing by the rules
1: Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.